Hi, this is Brandon, and you're listening to episode three of Rutabaga. In this episode, you're going to meet my old friend, Marc Chabonneau, a French violin and cello maker I met in about 1997 in Gwangju, South Korea, where I had just gone to start teaching English. Marc was kind of unusual to me then because he was a foreigner in a small town in South Korea, but he wasn't an English teacher like most of the other people I knew, and he wasn't in the military. So it was rare then to meet somebody like Mark, who was not in one of those careers. But instead, he had been brought to South Korea to work as a craftsman, making and repairing violins and cellos. But before we get over to Mark, please allow me a little ramble. A friend of mine who lives in Canada, but I haven't seen forever, listened to the first couple of episodes of Rutabaga and sent me a message saying that what was really interesting to him about the people that I had interviewed or that he had heard so far in the in the preview was just how living abroad had led to these weird changes that they had not expected. And I think this episode with Mark Chavano really proves that point listening to Mark talk about some unexpected things that happened to him as a result of choosing to live and work overseas. And I don't know, it just in my opinion, I think more out of the ordinary things can happen to you when you're living somewhere far away, out of your comfort zone, in a place that is unfamiliar. It leads to more challenges, but it also leads to more opportunities and more surprises. So besides just hearing some really interesting stories about some really interesting people, I hope you take away from this that if you want something unexpected to happen in life, one good way to make that happen is just like go overseas and get a job, whatever it is, just give it a shot for a year and you never know what's going to come out of it. And there's always something that's going to connect to these people in these episodes. I don't even know what it's going to be every time. And it just kind of appears sometimes. And it really makes it fun for me. One example being Mark in this episode talks about the phenomenon of Asian parents wanting their children to learn classical musical instruments at a very young age. And I just thought it was funny because Linus Kim in the last episode talked about when he was a little kid being driven to violin lessons with his sister in Alabama. So, you know, you despite living in Alabama, an unusual place, I, I thought, for Korean immigrants. Um, I just thought that was really cute, picturing Linus in his car as a little kid doing his little violin thing in Alabama. Okay, enough of that little ramble, and back over to Mark Chavano and how he left his little 15th century workshop in Orléans, France in 1997 to go work for a year for someone else in South Korea and how that led to a long career in his own atelier in Seoul. So back to how me and my mostly English teacher friends ended up meeting a French violin maker from Orléans, France in a small town in southern South Korea. Mark just immediately fell into and became part of our little circle of friends because he was just such a funny guy and fun to be around, as you're about to hear in a few minutes. A little side note about our core little group of friends who, who became very tight back in um, in that little town in Gwangju in the, in the 90s. 
I keep saying small town, but it is a it is a town of one and a half million people, so it's not that small. But it had kind of a small town vibe to it. But that little group of friends, including Mark, we still keep in touch on social media, and we meet up when we can. And the ones who live in Korea meet maybe a little more frequently, and the ones like myself who don't live in Korea try to get there once a year or so and hang out. And one of the things that we get together for is an annual picnic alongside a river that our friend Lee Dong-gyu holds every year to celebrate the life of his young daughter who had died not long after we had all become friends back in the 90s. And um, her name is Sunny, so Dong-gyu calls that Sunny Day. And it's an annual picnic where all of uh, Dong-gyu's friends get together and just uh, throw some flowers in the river and, and have a little festive occasion to celebrate her life. And you're going to hear Dongyu's name come up a couple times in this, um, in this episode when I'm talking to Mark. And to get us back over into the interview with Mark, I was kind of wanting to have you know, some music that has some strings, since this is about a craftsman who makes cellos and violins. So I was looking back through some old music and some stuff that I had recorded in Hong Kong a few years ago, and I found a little song. So I decided to just put some strings to it in GarageBand and play it for you here. And the working title of that song was You Won't Be Alone. I just thought it was kind of funny because right after I had gone back to it to put some strings on it for this little episode, I popped back into editing the interview with Mark and and I hadn't listened to the interview for a long time. And the first thing we started talking about right after I had done this song called You Won't Be Alone was... um, Mark talking about planning for his old age and and the prospect of being alone or whether the, whether his kids would be around to take care of him or not. Anyway, it was just kind of I, I thought the name of the song was appropriate for the conversation that I heard right after that. And also, I think it's a nice little follow up to the story about Sunny and Sunny Day. And don't get too excited; it's an unfinished song, so it's really just a snippet of a song. So Mark and his wife invited me over to their home when I was in Korea last year to have dinner with the family and their kids and before starting on the interview. And dinner at their house or lunch or whatever is always something that all of our friends really look forward to because those guys are amazing cooks. Not to mention that there's always tons of like great wine. There are lots of courses, lots of wines, lots of cheeses they have brought back from France. So it's always amazing. And on top of that, it's just a blast because the whole family is really fun, funny, including their kids, who actually can be funny in like three or four different languages. They just are switching back and forth between English, French, and Korean. And it's really adorable. 
And I wish I had recorded some of that, but I didn't because I was too timid with my recorder in someone else's home. I just felt like it was a little intrusive, but now I really wish I had that. And then after that really nice lunch, during which I seem to remember being hungover and I couldn't enjoy their fine wines as much as I wanted to, we walked over to Mark's Atelier in Seoul's Fine Arts District in Gangnam. Hope I'm saying that right. Atelier. Atelier. Anyway, I think I was closer than Google with my atelier. And if you don't know what an atelier is, which I did not until I moved to Korea, it's a it's a craftsman's or artisan's workshop. Anyway, just to give you a little idea of what Mark's atelier looks like, it's pretty amazing because you're not really used to seeing things like this in South Korea, but you walk in and it's a, a massive room with a very beautiful woodsy classical look to it with, I guess there must be 50 or 100 violins on the wall, hanging on the wall in, in, in a row, all about head level. There are There are bows mounted on the wall in a frame. There's colorful original art, I think done by his kids. A whole row of cellos lined up on one wall. And besides the violins on the wall, there's just there are just violins everywhere, laying on tables, in racks, in presses being worked on, and lots of wooden drawers everywhere, I guess full of tools. And at the end of this long giant room, which is really more of a looks like more of a showcase room to display the instruments that he's made, there is actually an actual workshop and it's amazing because it's just so cluttered with gazillions of tools that I've never seen before. Things for carving and gluing and pressing and boiling glues. And it's just really, really cool and cluttered and chaotic looking. You kind of get the idea that you're just in the workspace of a mad genius. Because you, I guess you have to be a little bit of a mad genius to work on these amazing wooden instruments. It's really cool just to be in that environment that you know probably has not changed the tools and the the ambiance of that little space are probably that much not much different from a violin workshop two or three hundred years ago. So it's almost like stepping back in into history in a way to be in the in the workshop of a craftsman who works on classical musical instruments. It was a Sunday and I think it was a national holiday, but Mark had a customer, a young girl who was having some issues with her violin. So I walked over with Mark, and it was very interesting to watch him work on her violin, but also to give her some tips on her posture and how it was affecting her playing and her muscles and her nerves. This problem in the neck for you, violinist, is your left arm. If you have this problem here, you have muscle problem, you have nerve problem, you understand? You asked her if she sweats a lot. What does that do? When people play, the sweat on the finger get inside the, the frog here mm-hmm. and make the wood burn ah. because of the salt and the, the basic of the, of the sweat. So he burned the wood. Ah. So the best is to clean. People who sweat a lot, it's best to take off and clean just to make it dry a little bit. Even this wood is really hard. With the sweat, it gets damaged after a few years of uh, intense use. Mm-hmm. Oh. And that's it. Okay. Okay. You want to check your violin? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then after Mark finished helping her and repairing her violin, we got down to the interview. So now let's head over to Mark and kick things off with him trying to teach me a few things about his craft. What is that sound? That's the glue. 
Oh, the blue's boiling. Aha. I thought my recorder was making a strange sound. So now you are hearing violin blue boiling in a hot pot. And that's my telephone. When you, when you open the violin, you have to put it in uh, between the ribs mm -hmm. and uh, the belly itself. So you have to be thin as possible. That's to put the glue, this one. It's really thin mm -hmm. and long enough to go under the block. Gotcha. So thin as possible for yeah. the glue. You need this and one. And big as possible, I mean bigger, to open it. And this one, you open. This one is open here, here too. What are, you, what are you hearing on the part that's not when, okay? When you, when you bang on it, you hear the two pieces of wood it's rattling on each other. Ah, okay. When it's glued, you make pork. When you when there are a little bit space a little bit a little space in between when you bang it you move this piece of wood and it's touching the other one same as when you use two teaspoons and tap 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 yeah yeah that's same now how would she know that there's a problem in there because she probably doesn't she hears the buzz okay she, plays, she can she hear the buzz got it probably on G string or this recording yep they will have it so that can be the Fine tuner can be the ball of the string, can be the skin on the bridge, can be the small pearl here, the decoration here. Wow. Can make so noise, many. the string to hold, the nut to round. Or it could be all of those, yeah. <laughs> or a so combination. Depends the season. When is the dry season, wet season, most of the time is unglued. Mm -hmm. When it's mid season, you have more option. <laughs> more, more problems. Yeah, and sometimes you stand. When you look the common place in the beginning, and after it's not here, it's not here, it's not there, you go by elimination, but you don't know where is it from. So yeah. it can be the, the one you will check the last. So you will spend one hour and a half to check where is it from. Is this little uh, jewel thing, kind of cutesy, girly she, thing, is that her she, touch? She, have, she, she put it on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do people usually decorate that? No. Okay. <laughs> That's girly style. She seems pretty young and girly, yeah. That's the same as uh, when you were 16 and you put a uh, ball paint uh, flower on your jean before 1976. Yep. <laughs> I still do that sometimes. Still? Yeah. <laughs> okay, for this one was easy. It was the plastic here they uh -huh. use for the protection. So, you know, we met in Kwangju yeah. in 1996. No, I arrived in 97. Oh, so I was July. here for a year before you July. got here. Yeah, I yeah. thought I met you right away. Yeah. Okay. Well, I arrived in July, uh, uh, end of July 97. So I know when I first got to Gwangju, it was like all English teachers. Yeah. So it was very unique to see there to meet a guy French. and, hey, he makes violins. So that was really cool. But like what, uh, did it feel weird being there and be the, being the only non-English teacher? Was it kind of, did you feel out of place? That definitely, I was really, I feel really strange for two different reasons. First, I had no idea where I was arrived. Because for me, uh, Korea was same as Japan, China. It was just at the opposite side of the world. That's how I felt. And uh, second, the, the person I was, uh, I came for in, uh, in Korea, she didn't tell me all the, the story. I was Thanks. supposed to have a working visa and, uh, and she asked me to send my diploma before by uh, uh, how call that? Uh, pay, uh, like registered mail yeah, or something? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, okay. So she asked me to send it like a registered mail to be sure it do not get lost. And I don't know how, but it get lost. So she said, oh, I don't know what happened. They lost your diploma. We cannot make the, the, the visa. You have to send me another one. Say, they do not 
make a second diploma. You have only one diploma. I said, if I don't have the diploma, you cannot have the, with the visa. I, said, okay. I called the English school where I study in New York, and I asked them, they said, okay, exceptionally, we can make a duplicata, blah, blah, blah. Send the duplicata. And uh, when I got the duplicata, I said, okay, that once happened, happened that happened, so I make the photocopy, color, and I send the photocopy, and I say, they make the, the visa with this one, and when I will be there, I will bring the original there. I do not send the original again. I know it doesn't work, you have to send the original, blah, blah, blah. I say, no, I do not send the original. The original, I keep it, it's the second one. Yeah, yeah. I keep it with me. I arrived there, first three months, nothing. Uh, you didn't pay attention, you didn't care that much. She was really nice with me. I had the lunch there, breakfast there, dinner there. And uh, she was constantly uh, saying to me, oh, you cannot go out, you know, alone in the evening. It's a bit dangerous in Guangzhou. Uh, nobody knows you. You don't speak the language. Uh, That's blah, hilarious. Blah, blah, blah. You don't have a telephone, you don't have a beeper, you don't have anything. So I said, okay, first month, second month, three months. And after she said, oh, you have to go to Japan because you still do not have your working visa. You have to and you had your, no idea. Yeah. You have to renew your... You're still your on a tourist visa. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my so God. So I went there once. Okay, why? Can happen, shit happen in France. You know, sometimes you wait your official paper for month. Maybe it could yeah. be fine. So second, second uh, tourism visa. Already six months. It was half of the year. I was supposed to stay one year. So I say half. There, she's Sunday, not getting you a visa. Yeah. So I was talking with uh, Don Yu at the time, and he said, "She cannot get a working visa for you." Just a, another little note about our friend Dongyu. I think he could also e easily be called Mr. Kwangju because not only did he seem to know every single person in that town of 1.5 million people, but he could also help you out of a bind in just about any situation you can imagine, such as the time he got me out of jail in the morning after a street brawl, which, by the way, I was not guilty of uh, inciting and uh, no charges were, were filed against me. And that time I broke my nose in a scooter accident, it was pretty nasty. And he's the first guy I called, and he got me to a hospital. And one of his old friends, a pretty high-up doctor in the hospital and in that town, operated on my nose and didn't charge me a dime for it. So I was talking with uh, Don Yu at the time, and he said, she cannot get a working visa for you. You are the first one violin maker arrived in, uh, in Korea. It's impossible she got a working visa for you in a small workshop like here. It's impossible. Right. And you say to have a working visa for you, she has to prove you can teach other Korean people, at least two or three different students. If you are able, you can prove you can give your knowledge or spray or share your knowledge with others, they will agree. If there is no chance to do that, they cannot prove anything. Yeah. If you're not a teacher in university or something like that, they don't, they don't care. And so, so finally, I went to uh, Japan again. There, they didn't say anything. I went to Fukuoka one time, two times. And uh, when I came back, I said, okay, now I need, uh, I need a working visa. If I have something, if I break a leg, cut a finger, whatever, I don't have any social security, nothing. And she said, oh, that's no problem. Uh, for the hospital, I can pay. And, so, and my son came for vacation for one month and a half. And uh, we went going out uh, skating as we used to do. And uh, we're climbing the stairs and going down everywhere we could. And finally he fell and broke his arm. So we rushed to the hospital and they said, do you have a social security number? Said, of course not, blah, blah, blah. And uh, 
I call her and she said, oh, why did you go to hospital? You shouldn't go to hospital. Why? My son broke his arm. Why do you want me to go? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go to the butcher. You go to hospital. Exactly. And she said, oh, okay, give me the name of the doctor and blah, blah, blah. It was, don't, don't use friend. Everybody's connected in yeah. Kwanzaa. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, I said, I'm working there. She's supposed to take care of it. So you manage it with her. I don't want to hear anything. And she, uh, I could feel she was in the deep shit. And also, same time, it was the IMF period. So suddenly, it was difficult for them to pay me because she was paying me in francs. But uh, francs, suddenly, for the uh, change, yeah. it was double think, for her. Yeah. So it was supposed to be 4,000 francs for one month. Suddenly, it was equivalent of a double of the one value. Yeah. So she was freaking out. And in my contract, she was supposed to buy the... Instrument I built there, and I finished to build one cello, and I was expecting she bought the cello was equivalent for forty thousand francs for mm -hmm. a cello, and she said no, I cannot pay. It's impossible. Already we have the problem with the hospital. I said you shouldn't have any yeah. problem with the hospital. You have the social security, and uh, said no, we had a problem. We cannot do that. It's impossible. Uh, I have many problems with the. The custom and the, the immigration, and so okay, just give me all the paper, I will go there, I will ask them. Oh, no, no, you cannot go there. I say, okay, that's done. <laughs> yeah, I remember all of this now. And he was, he was almost, he was almost finished, so I said, okay, fuck it. So everything was falling apart. So yeah, they just fucked They me. were just bullshitting. Yeah. They just were gonna try to get you here without having any legal responsibility for you. And, and no. were you worried about getting deported? Or did, you know, no, I didn't give a shit. What were you doing when you decided to come to Korea? And how did you get connected with that woman? She came to my uh, to my shop. In France? Yeah, she and was what, connected. Where were you in she France? She was in I was in Orléans. And the guy, I got the, the workshop in a really old house built the same time as they built the cathedral in Orléans. The people who were working on the cathedral built the house and were living there. So all the stone in this building belong from the cathedral, missed stone or recut yeah. stone or reshaped, and they built all the building like that. So it was really well well built. And, and what really year nice. was the cathedral built? They start in the 14 something and Holy finish in cow. 16 something, 200 and maybe 20 years to finish to build it. In the first one, we put the first stone. I haven't seen the, 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 the finish, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the yeah. Fin even sure. the guy in the middle, I haven't seen it probably. Sure. Yeah. And, uh, so I remember some pictures yeah. of your studio mm -hmm. there, or your that workshop. Was, that was, was really a really nice place. Beautiful, yeah. small building. A bit cold in winter. But, <laughs> but so, the woman, yeah. she just So this woman came or? here, she, yeah. she came in the workshop with the, the friend who introduced me for this uh, studio. So I trusted him. Her, I didn't know her at all, yeah. nothing, absolutely nothing. But and she was looking for someone to yes, take to Korea? She was looking, looking for, for a foreigner yeah. to work in a workshop. Gotcha. And I was like, why, why a foreigner? Uh, because there were a guy before from Canada and, uh, and the guy was not, his work was not good enough. So they were thinking about French guy. It was all bullshit. But anyway, she so, wanted to have a foreigner to attract a customer. It looked like uh, oh, the foreigner in the workshop in Guangzhou, yeah, it, yeah. it must be really top. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, I had a contract, even I remember I, asked, I saw it recently, the contract. 
wrote on the paper just like that. We took a paper and said, okay, yeah. right. I wanted to be sure I had Hand something. Handwritten, yeah. I did. So two flying ticket, returned to France in one year. Um, obligation of buying instrument I produce there on after work. When I finished the day, I work extra. And uh, 4,000 francs a month for the complete year. What did you build those specifics on? Like, because there was no precedent. You didn't, did you, you couldn't go on the internet and say, what is the, what do people who go to Korea or Japan to build violins, what do they make? What are the rules? The, the, How did you come up with those? The problem at the time, I was not even sure I would get information about uh, Korea, violin maker, foreigner work sure. there. For me, even, even at the time, internet, it was, uh, it was limited to France, Spain, Italy, Belgium, Germany, England, and after it was... Uh, well, even, even where there was internet, it was I just had, basically email yeah, was about all you could I do with it. I didn't have any idea I could get information there. But I just wonder how you came up with the... Obli they ha they're obliged to buy your, your violins or cellos after... Because I had to bring the wood there. I have to bring but you the just bowl. thought of that yourself. Yeah. That was just like, I'm going to make them buy. Because I would have no. never thought of that in advance. They asked me, if you want, you can build also your instrument for you in, in Korea. I see. Why would I bring instrument in Korea if I do not stay there? If I have the instrument there, especially if I make a cello, how do I bring it back? Because already the cello, you could take it back if you are lucky. But if you're not, you have, to pay so the, it, you have to pay the ticket. So it made sense it that they would have to buy it. So I said, okay, I don't mind to build, but stay here. I, I sell it to you. And they didn't. So I got the cello here, but I had no intention to stay in Korea. And just before I left Korea, I met Yuno. In fact, I saw her a few times. I even introduced her to another guy who just arrived in Korea. I said, oh, he, was, he was looking for girls. And I said, oh, I don't know that much girls here, especially I was not that successful at the time. Even now. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably a good thing, <laughs> since you're married with two kids. Yes. And uh, so I said, yeah, these, these girls, I saw them regularly, and they were always with the same guy. So I said, maybe safe. Uh, who knows? Anyway, tried. And uh, didn't work out with these guys. And I met her again just a few weeks before I, I left Korea. So I was coming back to Korea to pick up my cello and same time to see her again. And from this moment, I, the, the story starts, we decide to stay with, with each other. We, you remember, we stay in your house for a while. I don't remember, because yeah. we talked That's about how I bad my You were not is. there. You were busy with, with other problems. I don't know if you remember. Uh, a, a girlfriend Your problem? Yes. Oh, yes, the I big, remember her. I think yeah. probably the biggest one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but so where, but where was I? Was I in the U.S.? I don't know. I probably went to the U.S. to deal with that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So we were in your, in your place. My girlfriend was living with my parents in exactly. trouble. Exactly, yes. So I had to yeah. go home and take care yeah. of that. So during this time, we're in your, in your place. <laughs> and uh, we decided to move to, uh, to Seoul. And I came here two, three times. I turned around all the place where they were violin maker. And I said, uh, my, my goal was to sell the cello, get rid of it, getting the money and going back to France. And even, you know, at the time, uh, I had no idea it could go uh, further than just a few night stand. Mm -hmm. It was not a love story We're at first sight. Yeah, yeah, I didn't yeah. have any plan. And especially my son finishes school year because Your if son. I came to Korea, it's because my son was going to an internship for one year. 
Yeah. I wouldn't see him only uh, one day in a week. So I decided we had a deal. He go to his school for one year and I go to Korea for one year. And when we came back, we uh, stayed together again. Were you going to keep that same workshop in the old building? Yeah, yeah, the yeah. The plan was to stay. I could, when, I, when I came back for, to France, my workshop was still there. And um, Well, what, what compelled you to go to Korea? Did you think you were going to make more money or was it just for adventure? No, it was just for one year. Yeah, going somewhere else. Korea, what I knew about the violin making in Korea, it was the, the Lark violin. It was the special small size violin made with, the, even the scroll was not made of wood. They were gluing, they were cutting straight and put the, the mold the plastic head for the, for the heel of the, the scroll. It was really cheap, but the sound was better than the Suzuki and, and cheaper. Mm-hmm. So I uh, maybe a violin connection, but I had no idea where I was going. No idea. Even well, I same here. And this story is so familiar. Yeah. It's mine and it's another yeah. guy I interviewed yeah. and it for another episode. Yeah. And everybody's like, I was going to go to Korea for one year. Yeah. And, and then finally, like, here it is stay. 20 years later. Yeah, still there. <laughs> yeah. It's really a common, yeah. common yeah. theme. Yeah. It's, and even I didn't have any knowledge about the market in Korea. People were going to Japan, not to Korea. And the big uh, increase of the students who start to be successful and really uh, get the medal in the competition and stuff like that, he become after. He, around 2000 was the, 2005 was the peak. Really all the Korean students start to get medal almost every competition. Mm-hmm. There were Japanese, Korean, few uh, Russian and after it was uh, the Jewish community from New York or Paris and that's, that's it few few uh, Armenian mm-hmm. also and that's it if you were out of this kind of uh, uh, background yeah, yeah no it. no yeah. chance to get uh, to get yeah. anything or maybe few of them but most of that it was it was like that it's a bit a cliche but this is definitely was like that lately even now we can feel the Chinese get more I was going to ask you about that competition than, yeah, than yeah. Korea still Japanese still always the, the top of the basket is still there but we can feel more Japanese more Chinese and a little bit less Korean already even I heard the market reduced a lot in Korea because the many teacher many people who study violin they don't want to be teacher they are tired of it. They, they have to work hard. The job is not that much. Uh, uh, how we can that? It's not like teacher in university. You're not getting a lot of respect. Yeah, or, it's not not yeah. not, uh, not that much. If yeah. you compare with the hour they have to work, and uh, also the these people who are teacher, they don't want their kids become a teacher or musician. Is the most of the time what I notice is the mother wanted to be a musician were over fifty. And uh, it's her dream yeah. to have their son and yeah, daughter yeah, being yeah. musician. Yeah. But same time, financially it's expensive, difficult. And uh, the work they have to ask to the kids is crazy. So the level is so high now. If you don't have the best teacher, if you do not work eight hours a day, it's, it's no chance. No I chance. was thinking that today yeah. with, with your customer and yeah. her, her mom was standing over yeah. her shoulder the whole, yeah. whole time. Yeah. So I was wondering, yeah. Is this one of those, is she a product of her mother's ambitions for her? She is not too much, she's not pushy too much, this one. 
There is much worse than her. I'm sure. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Last time I had a, a student, I asked the student, how many hours you play a day? Usually three to four hours, it's already good. So I say, how many hours you play? Three, four hours a day? Because she didn't change the string, it was already three months. And uh, usually, uh, especially Pirastro, uh, Eva, this kind of string, the green one and black, this one after one month, they are totally empty. They, there is nothing, they, no harmonic, nothing. Just you have mm -hmm. to change it. So if they play a lot, they have to change it more often. But uh, the daughter, she said, oh, um, five, six. And the mother said, what? Only five, six? And she was upset like if the daughter was lying to her. Mm -hmm. So the daughter was trapped between the mother and me. You know, if the, the, the string are really uh, dead, uh, should I say I didn't change it, how many hours I played, and to the violin maker, who is also for yeah. her, is higher position. Yeah. And the mother upset on the other side, says, oh, what, only five? You're supposed to work eight hours? And I said, what the heck? And the poor, the poor girl, she was, <laughs> she was looking at her shoes. <laughs> That's not not so much than than few even ten years ago, but still. still. Yeah. Uh, well, you still. know how like a lot of the everybody that I know all the, who do these expat careers teaching mm. and then mm. some go on to open restaurants or mm. whatever, they're always looking for the next country to that's, go. that's uh, going to be uh, what better, say what uh, Korea was fifteen years ago uh, or twenty. I mean, you're married obviously. You're not going to uh, move yeah. to China, uh, but I'm thinking, uh, would China be a good place for somebody? No. Like yourself, no, twenty years no. ago, no. Twenty years ago, if if twenty years ago. Well, well I mean yourself, twenty years ago when you went no. to Korea, maybe Korea no, China was too is early. kind of starting there. It was too early. Ah. It was way too early. Even now, even now, there is still uh, I know few uh, violin makers who go there regularly twice a year for selling, but you need to have a really a special acquaintance with the teacher from uh, this university or this university or good teacher, well known, blah blah. But uh, to sell there. If you just arrive like that, it would probably would take five to six years before you understand all how does it work. Yeah. Speaking the language would be a plus. Okay. Yeah. Already here, I can feel how much is difficult for me alone. As yeah. long as you know KC is fine. Alone, it could get a little bit yeah, more complicated. Bet, yeah. Definitely would be a plus to speak Korean, for sure. Yeah. And no excuse. 20 years in the same country, you do not speak the language. It's my skills are pretty poor considering how long i was here too so but you you were much better than me speak korean well i'm not, I'm not sure i haven't heard your korean in a long time when but mine is still not what it should have been after i can so long. i can't build a sentence me well okay. out yeah. of out of the workshop here i know the really basic surviving like uh, taking a taxi yeah. order in yeah. the in the restaurant uh, insulting a taxi driver who crossed the white pedestrian place uh, when the yep. traffic light is red, except this shit, no, I don't know anything. You know all the bad words yes. for the taxi drivers. Oh, and even for more than the taxi driver. I heard a few. <laughs> do, do all the parts of the violin have a Korean word or does everybody use, do they use most a of it, or? Most of it is English words. And uh, for the chin rest, yeah, they use the Korean word. The tail piece is the English word. Bridge, same. String, same. Peg, same. What's Neck, the chin in Korean? Topachim. Topachim. Mm, for the chin rest. The shoulder rest, or maybe it's topachim. No, topachim is this one. And the shoulder rest, you have another... I don't know. You see, even this one, I don't know. I don't know which one is which one. It's there, well, but I don't know I mean, which one is which it, one. They're probably you know, <laughs> point, so you don't have to really know. 
Do you ever like uh, regret or not not regret but miss like your little workshop in France and that that classical European environment, which is where no. classical no. music came? From? No, because already in Orléans there were already uh, another violin maker, and he was doing only repair. That's Theo. He was doing Theo, only repair. Uh huh. Only repair. So if I went there making new instrument and repair, I would burn his uh, his opportunity, his chance. Yeah. Theo. Come over here. Yeah. I want to ask you some questions. That's yeah. feel. <laughs> so, do you want to be a violin maker someday? I don't know. <laughs> do you play anything? I don't even know if you play an instrument. Uh, yeah, you did play. Drum. Oh, okay. A few months ago. You just started a few months ago. No, uh, oh. I stopped a few oh. months ago. I did one ear or two ear, and after. Nothing. Why don't? Why did you stop? Because I had many homework and mm -hmm. things like that, so I didn't have many time to. Yeah. Where did you play? Because it's not easy to have a drum set in Korea because apartments are small and people are around. And... Uh, uh, close to my dad's uh, workshop, there's a drum lesson place. Uh huh. So I went there every Sunday, every Saturday and Wednesday. But it's hard, it's hard probably to be a drummer in Korea because you can't really have a drum set at home. Maybe electronic one yeah, in the basement. One, there was our plan in the beginning. We said if he, if he is really uh, involved in it, if he's stuck on it, we buy the electronic set. But unfortunately, when we were ready to buy the electronic set, uh, you know, at the accident, so we delay one year, and I think it was one year too long. Yeah, um, it might come back later. I had an electronic set in Hong Kong, oh. but my neighbors still complained because the just the vibration of the tapping. Yeah, you can hear. It went. It vibrated all the way through the building. You have a carpet, a foam carpet. I built like something, and then it was better. Oh. I made a tennis ball. Yeah. Riser, they call it. So you yeah. cut a bunch of tennis balls in yeah. half, yeah. plywood, and a carpet, and it helped, but they could still hear. Okay, so far, Mark has been talking about his early days in Korea and working for other people. So we took a little break, and when we came back, Mark started telling me about some of the trials and tribulations of going into business for himself in Korea. And he starts off by just talking about the challenges of having a local business partner when you're, in this case, having to partner up with people in the musical instrument industry. Two or three times to make a business with a high-ranking uh, teacher. Or, and uh, if you miss a chance with these people, well, of course, they are greedy. Huh? You, have to, uh, you have to pay a lot to be sure they want to work with you. Their motivation is not they, they don't give a shit about helping you. Their goal is how they can make more money what they already do. Well, how do you miss the opportunity? Like you. By one time, I had a really uh, big fight. I will not give you the name because it would sure. be a mess. <laughs> For a bow, his brother gave it to me, well known uh, cellist. Anyway, people who know the people around uh, Seoul, they will know who I'm talking about. So the cellist is uh, the younger brother who is a little bit more clever than the older one. The older one, everything belongs to him. So whatever he does, he's the king, and you follow, and that's it. And he, uh, his brother wanted to sell a bow from his wife, who is a daughter of a jebel, 
So he gave the boat to his older brother to bring it to me. But he was the younger brother who, sold, who wanted to sell it. And when I sold the bow, the older brother asked me the commission because he bring me the bow. Mm-hmm. But it was not him, the seller. The seller was his younger brother. Right. Well, I had a conversation on the phone and talk, agree over the price and blah, blah. And the boat was amazingly good condition. It was exhibition bow. Uh, we uh, finished the conversation on the phone. It was really dry. We're taking the kids to uh, Guangzhou. I don't remember the reason. It was for a vacation. And when I left the uh, express bus terminal, he called me and he started insulting me and uh, he was totally drunk. He was, yeah, oh, you yeah. motherfucker, you piece of shit. I, we never can trust the French fucker, blah, blah, blah. And on and on, dream more than you 20 minutes on the phone. Up? <laughs> I was telling him, I said, I explained to you, there is nothing I can do on it. If I pay you a commission, I have nothing. And you are not the one who sell the bow. It's your brother who sell the bow and I make the deal with him, not mm-hmm. with you. What I didn't know is, if you fuck it up with this guy, first he will cut all of his students. But on the top of it, if he open his mouth and start talking to other, I cut all the people he knows or people who are under his influence. And after I had a problem with the father of these two guys, and that was the top of wow. the top. So I succeeded to get all of this, to get all of these people on my back <laughs> against me. Yeah. So the, maybe a few months later, already I could feel the From this period, it really slowed down after a few, few things. But when you have a business anyway, you, you cannot please everybody. You always have yeah. a dumb asshole in the exactly. middle. So you don't even know the repercussion, how right. far it can go and how you will put you deep in the shit. So I, I and that's not my temper also. If I feel the guy is asking, he, has, he have a problem, I can help him. Okay, I help him. But when it's the uh, strength relationship, like uh, who is the stronger than the other, I didn't know shit in Korea. Yeah. For me, it was same as in France. You bother me, I kick you out. That's it. And Korea, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> so for that, I learned, I learned quite, uh, quite a lot at this time about, uh, about that. I don't know, je sais pas si, I do not know if it's on the front or on the back. Why did this girl need this so urgently on a holiday? No idea. I mean, no you could idea. have said no, I guess, but since you were yeah. coming here. Anyway. And uh, it's a violin we sold. Yeah. If it's somebody we don't, we don't know, just send them, send them back. So. Where is this violin made? That's, that's Mirko. That's made in France. That's Mirko. And you brought that's it from here. France? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I didn't know if you got it here or something no, first. No. Oh, yeah, it's impossible. You buy a violin in Korea and you cannot resell it. Huh? You have to wait the time you resell it. If you keep it for five years, it's, it's for you. So that's why uh, being good in business is very important to make yeah. money. <laughs> the skill itself is not enough. Having a good skill to, to fix instrument is not enough. I can't find my opening knife. Well, you're an artist. You're not supposed to be a business person. Yeah, definitely. Uh, business is not my, is not my stuff. I don't know why it's my opening knife. So I was just going to ask you, what's uh, what do you have? Any big plans in the future? Just keep doing this in this studio for as long as you can. Or my biggest plan now, biggest plan is to make enough money to think about getting retired. Because mm-hmm. uh, now with the kids growing up, my ability will not get better. I may even more chance you get less good than before. <laughs> so I have to I have to think about uh, the money. 
do you see yourself retiring here or going back to France? I don't, I don't care. I don't care really what I, retirement is not too much, uh, it's not exactly retirement my problem, it's much more is uh, I will need to have uh, revenue, regular revenue when they will be old enough to uh, go to France or study well. or, or whatever they want to do, but uh, being able to help them. Yeah. And in, in 11, so in 10 years, 10 years I will be uh, 67. So if there is if a shit happen, uh, there is nothing I can do. So they have to get through college at least, and yeah. then, then they can start taking care of you. <laughs> Go, they have that's to one good thing, the Korean style. Your kids can take care of you when you retire. Yeah, but that, that's what I really would like to avoid as much as possible. <laughs> that's, that's exactly what my parents did also. They managed their own life as much as possible to avoid when we have to do something. No, it's totally different than in Korea. In France, you do not uh, take care of your parents. Your parents, they had the social security, they have the retirement money, they have everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you don't need to... Yeah. Uh, Same in the States, basically. Of, of course, you, you stay close to your parents, but it's not... Uh, they will be alone uh, on their own. But for us, it, it smells like that. Where is Kumhe? I wish she was here because they're really funny when they're together. <laughs> I, I really regret not recording just a little oh, the at lunch. the dinner table, the lunch uh, table, really? because uh, <laughs> hearing them in the different languages, Korean, French, English, sing everything. and they're just like so funny. Yeah, Claire, she is in the adolescent period and uh, she, uh, she starts to be a little bit uh, less funny. A little more serious and... Uh, yeah, things getting complicated very quickly with her. Teenagers. Uh, yeah, How old yeah. is she? She will be 15 this December. Korean age? Or French. French, French age. age. Wow, I can't believe that. Yeah. And she's more um, focused on the makeup and the boys uh, band stuff. And, uh, mm -hmm. Being a girl, being a teenager. Alright, well thanks for the interview. I, I am going to... It's a lot of interesting stuff, so i got to edit it down kind of shorter than that. you for listening to episode three of rutabaga please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform or player and stay tuned for a lot of fun episodes on the way and a big thanks to mark chavano and his wife Yunok and their kids for giving me the time for making this episode thanks to light organ records in vancouver canada for letting me use the music of we need surgery Thanks to Wendy Tenery in Atlanta for her help and support in, in Rutabaga and especially her contribution to some of the editing in these early episodes. Please head over to rutabaga.org, R-O-O-T-A-B-A-G-A.org for lots of fun stuff related to this episode and other episodes. You can find photographs of the people, links to the music, and if you like Rutabaga, please, please, please leave a review and share with your friends. Look for episode four in about two weeks. And thanks again for listening. For all you dedicated listeners who remember the days of vinyl, here's a little bonus track from the interview with Mark. He also told me about a, a weird little guitar hybrid that he was putting together just for fun. Here's him explaining actually why he was making a guitar hybrid.
So what do you mix? What are you mixing? That's a telecaster. A telecaster. The neck is a Gibson. It's just to piss off the tourists. That would piss off a lot of people. Oh, what the? It's like it's a, like Frankenstein guitar. It's,